Hey friends, how are you? How's the week going? Going well? I certainly hope so. Uh, hey there, this is your best friend and your pal, Steve Bazelon, and I am the host of this podcast, Terribly Funny. This, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. Ah, oh, what a delight, huh? Uh, today we have a wonderful guest. She's a good friend of mine. It's Whitney Bell. What can I tell you about Whitney Bell? Well, uh, she uh, just a little while ago, about seven, eight months ago, started a um, what I what I suppose is best described as a feminist apparel line. Uh, you can get things like hats that say "cunt" and uh, uh, pussy pipes uh, to smoke uh, weed out of, and a lot of great shirts about uh, toppling the patriarchy. Uh, it's all very cool stuff. And in fact, in some of my Instagram posts uh, about this podcast, I've been wearing a hat of hers that says "girl power." She's delightful. Uh, she's inspiring. She does a lot of charity work. She also writes for Playboy. She has written articles that have gone uh, on Vice and uh, Teen Vogue and Cosmo. Um, she's smart and articulate and uh, funny. And today we're going to talk about some great, interesting stuff, uh, things that don't get talked about nearly enough that she has uh, given a lot of voice to. And that's things like mourning the loss of your father whilst discovering that you're pregnant. And uh, uh, an easy, a very easy to talk about subject, abortion. Uh, so we're going to get into that in just one second. Uh, but before we do, let me say, hey, hey, do you like this podcast? I certainly hope you do. If you do, go to our iTunes page. Subscribe. That way you don't have to see when there's new episodes. It'll just pop up in your inbox. Subscribe. You can write a rating. Give us a review. Those are all nice things to do. Also, if you like this, tell your friends about it. Tweet us about Tweet about it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. It's terribly underscore funny. You can also follow us on Instagram. It's terribly funny podcast. Uh, that's also our Facebook page. And if you want to write to me and say, hey, what's up, man? I love this uh, somewhat thought-provoking conversation you're starting. You can do so at our at our email. It's terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail. I genuinely would love to hear from you. Um, and that's it. I'm done doing uh, Hawking My Goods. Now we're going to get to Whitney talking about some very interesting fun stuff. Uh, let's do it, shall we? Let's get some theme music. Terribly funny. Coming at you. What do you feel like that you, uh, um, what do you feel like changed you the most, I suppose, or you feel like you had, would do the most service for other people to hear, be like, well, that's nice. That's a nice thing to feel like it's normalized. And here's a person I respect who is like charming and does good things and they've been through stuff. Um, I mean, I think one of the worst things that I've dealt with is the death of my father, which mm-hmm. is something we have in common. Yeah. Um, and sort of having like a full life, I don't know, adjustment after that. I quit my job. I had a roommate move out. I broke up with a boyfriend. I like, and like started a new business. I did, I just wanted everything to be like clean after that. What about it specifically? Was it just like, all right, did it like just point, reflect a mirror to your life and be like, what all these? I think I was. Or was just cathartic, like I need to change. No, none of it was really intentional. Like I didn't even really mean to make all those choices. It's not like I woke up one day and was like, I just need everything to be new. I just, um, I think I was just so sad that I couldn't keep living the life I'd lived with my dad. Right. Like it was just too familiar or something. So hmm. I just needed to like wipe it. 
So there wasn't comfort in that familiarity. You just wanted to blow up the Death Star entirely. <laughs> totally, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just needed, I don't know, a fresh everything. And I think it made me look at all the shit in my life and, you know, this is very, like, commonplace and cliche when somebody dies, but to be like, what's important to me? What matters? And, and what am I not doing to honor that? And just wanting to... I don't know, maybe to make him proud right. from the grave, because that's a thing. No, I mean, look, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. it's probably not rational or logical, but yeah. it's like, all right, well, I want to do things that hopefully they'll be into. Yeah, hopefully well, they will feelings like aren't rational or logical. I mean, that's, no, why, of course not. that's what they are yeah. by nature. Um, yeah, I don't know, but they still... I guess I still struggle with that all the time. It hasn't been that long, and I, you know, I still have, like, I'm I'm doing all of the things that I, if I put, a, like, a wish list together when I was, like, 13, mm-hmm. I'm, like, living that life. Really? <laughs> kind of. That's fucking rad, man. I'm, Not like, an artist, and I get all these, mm-hmm. you know, I... I get to collaborate with a ton of other artists and like work on things that pretty much solely only on things I care about and only on like charity projects and like preaching a message that I actually give a fuck about Mm -hmm. and using the talents that I have to do it and getting to hire other people who I think are really talented to do it. Like, yeah, I kind of. Because I didn't know you before this, so, yeah. I mean... Oh, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, right, yeah. It was like, a, what, seven months or something mm-hmm. afterwards? So, what was... You were just, you were like, working as an art director primarily? Yeah, I was the art director for a fine jewelry line, and I, I loved it, and I, you know, it I got great budgets and models and shit to work with, but it wasn't exactly, like, fulfilling. It's a little bit just like... Nothing I do matters. Yeah. This I was fun. like, this like is it. fun. And like, ooh, I get to shoot with like Emrata and like, she's mm-hmm. hot. And like, yeah, this sure. is cool. And like, ooh, we can smoke weed at the office. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, it didn't, it didn't fulfill me. It didn't make me actually um, like happy or like, you know, it wasn't like it just some felt, gravestone shit. It, it, was felt, just, it felt empty. Yeah. It was yeah. just a job. Do you think you would have found your way to that eventually if if your if your dad was still here and you know his short shorts because I know it's a thing that he was into this is fair, were, yeah, were a part of your shorts. life <laughs> that you would have found your way this way or did you need that push would you have just kind of like languished and kind of atrophied um, in that world because like ah oh, this is fun enough I like know, I enjoy this I don't know I I don't know and that kind of scares me because I wonder if that was the only. Yeah, if that was the only thing that made me do this. It was, what, two months after my dad died, Mm -hmm. three months after my dad died, I decided to throw the dick pic show. Mm -hmm. Or, like, had the idea for that. And as that sort of... Just as some context of the dick pic, like... (laughs) Because that's not a normal... I'm just so used to saying it at this point. Of course. <laughs> but it's like a show just of all unsolicited dick pics. Yes. And then artist-inspired in, dick drawings. Yeah. Well, they're not all... It's all... It's a show exploring sexual harassment. Right. Um, through unsolicited dick pics, hundreds of them, set up in a space that feels like a woman's home. So right. it shows how invasive it is. Yeah. And then artists brought on to to collaborate and, and draw their experiences of sexual harassment or the female experience. Or right. Whatever it is. Or dicks. Lots of dicks. There's a lot of dicks. Um, I think I, I don't think I ever would have been as compelled to do that, to quit my job, to spend all the money I have on like this one Mm -hmm. pretty 
bold and weird thing that I didn't know if anyone was going to give a fuck about. Yeah, I mean, that's a fucking big swing. Yeah, and I, but I just, I kind of felt like I, I realized, or, you know, that mirror had been shown to my life, and I was like, this isn't what I want, so I'm right. just going to full force go for what I want, but I didn't know even really what it was. Are those two, are those two events linked? Like, doing something that you lose your dad, uh, and then two months later, I mean, a lot, a lot of shakeup, but, like, immediately doing something, like, about harassment? Was oh. that, like, on the forefront of your mind, or was it something oh. that were somehow linked in for you? Um, or just, like, I'm just tired of doing some stuff that doesn't really matter to me. It this was feels both. like this could help. Um, and I think, well, you know this, but, uh, audience, uh, when my dad died, I was pregnant, and I didn't know for a few weeks, for eight weeks, because... <laughs> he was dead and I just thought my body was being weird. Um, so Which I, totally makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, when you're I, going through like that sort of mourning. I wasn't even paying attention happens. or like tracking my cycle or yeah. eating or, you know, so of course I just assumed it was like stress related. Yeah. Um, and I assumed I was gaining weight because I was just sad. Yeah. Um, I, this is a tangent. Yeah. Just to set no, you off, but like just like in context, there was a point where my mom, I don't know if I told the story, but my mom was super, dying she was super sick and I made a friend in uh, Connecticut like off a dating app and we would just like I would just go to the hospital every day that's for like so hours. your MO well, yeah, well at the time it was but I was a sad sad person we're friends from a dating app no I know I know I've also met many of your female friends many of whom you've met on dating apps that's not entirely but sure your Christmas party was chock full of them not dating app people it doesn't matter alright it doesn't matter I, I, look, I've had some dark times and uh, you know like I'm not ashamed of that anyhow I met this the young lady who was lovely and I would just be at the hospital all day uh, for like 12 hours and then I'd either go home with my stepdad and we would like drink Manhattan until we could fall asleep and then do it all over again and did this for like many weeks on end or sometimes I go out with this this girl and we get like drunk on margaritas and like make out in the car like we were like in 16 and it was like just nice to have something that wasn't sadness yeah just anything yeah but then so that was like a short period of time like two weeks where I saw her a bunch of times like seven eight times and it was just like purely like I live across the country like this is just fun and frenetic and I'm my life is in shambles right now (laughs) but then like three weeks later after my mom died, I was driving home and like I was used to calling her and I just wanted to talk to somebody. And I was like, well, I'll call this this girl. That might be nice. And like the phone didn't work, her phone didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I immediately thought, oh my God, did I invent a person? Did I like, <laughs> did my psyche finally stretch so far? Like I needed it so badly that I made up this human. Yeah, did I like fight club? Is that what happened? Cause like my, I was just going through so much stress and I was not sleeping that I invented it. And, Clearly I didn't, but like for like a minute, I thought that was a possibility. All that is to say, you go through weird shit when you're mourning. You do, and and I've I've been pregnant before this, and mm-hmm. it was the kind of thing where I I knew you know a weekend I was like I'm throwing up, like mm-hmm. I feel really weird, like your body's just off. But this time, it took me so long to realize, and it was just because I was like in such mourning, I was so sad, and like my schedule and my sleeping and everything was so off that. You know, anything could have been accounted for yeah, that. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So having your to your question of how did I get from dead dad to sexual harassment? <laughs> um, I think going through dead dad while dealing with all of those pregnancy hormones, which made me feel even more crazy than mm-hmm. I already did in like the the saddest time of my life, and then having to make that choice and and not being single and not 
telling the father. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that really shone a light on what was important to me and and what that is is feminism is for fighting for the rights of women and not just abortion rights but but all of the rights that um, were in peril and I think um, I've experienced sexual harassment a ton as most women have and experienced sexual assault and as many women have and um, I think all of that sort of bubbled up and I needed to like get it out mm-hmm. somehow and, and that was my how but that's I mean I don't know I think it speaks to your character that like you had this crazy time and and like you know this is like the things that like memoirs and movies are built around like people like uh, uh, Cheryl Strand what was her name oh yeah Cheryl Strand Cheryl, Cheryl Strand like yeah. you know loses her mom gets addicted to heroin then does a crazy thing she walks off fucking trail yeah <laughs> um, with having no experience is the trail my trail of dick fix? kind of but it's like I mean but it's also like I think it speaks to your character that like you had this crazy thing and you didn't just do one event you like turned it into a career like that's what you do now that's what I do now yeah yeah um, I didn't anticipate that happening at all I really didn't know what I was doing I didn't know if anyone was even going to show up right so um, I'm glad they did. <laughs> I'm glad anybody cared. I'm glad it was relatable. Well, do you feel like all that is to like a little bit like when you're doing like you have like this, I don't know, for lack of not to put a total label on it, like yeah. a feminist, feminist apparel company. Yes. Right? That's In essence. fine. Um, do you feel like all that like on a day-to-day basis, like this is like, this is for you, dad. Does it feel like commemorative or it's like, no, this just set me down this path. No, it just set me down that path. Honestly, I mean, he'd think it was cool what I was doing and he was a total feminist, mm-hmm. but he would be so confused by it. Like, does everything need to say slot on it? Like, I don't really get it. Like, why is there so much profanity? Right. <laughs> um, he would be very proud of me. My whole family came to, like, the dick pic thing. Oh, like, yeah? His brothers and all his friends oh, and, like their whole crew, probably, like, 30 of them, and they were all, like, so cute. They stayed, like, the whole time and all these, like, old... It was like a, you know, a thousand hipsters and then like all these old men in shorts like walking around like, what is this? Like, it's not for me, but I am proud of you for doing it. Yeah, I don't it get so it. It's so cute. But you're doing something. <laughs> yeah, it was so, people like it. I don't understand, but it's cool. <laughs> it feels like the, the dirty, actually it feels like better than going to see like your nephews in like the music man and <laughs> see it. Because then it's two hours of nonsense. At least this is bad. kind of this is interesting, yeah. yeah. Um... And some of them are going to fly up to the San Francisco show. Oh, shit. And they were like, we all had dinner. My extended family is, like, very close. And we have dinner all the time. We had dinner, I think, last week. And they were like, oh, my God. Like, your cousin told us that you're going to be in Playboy. And the dicks are going to be in Playboy. And we can't wait. We're all going to buy a copy. I was like, wow. okay. Cool. It's like my cute little aunt. I was like, yeah, you're buying Playboy. It's very exciting, man. <laughs> They're all very sweet. It's very exciting. Um... I, I, you know, I have, what, known for, for a better part of a year? Yeah. But how did, I don't know how your dad actually died. What was that? What was that? Because you had a lot of things swimming around at that period. Yeah, um, he just died. He was fine. He was totally really? healthy. He was, like, an ox of a man who owned a construction company, and, like, I never, barely even saw him, like, cough. Mm. And he was... Uh, sweeping up a deck he just finished a job across the street from my aunt and uncle um, at their friend's house and it, it was raining 
and he slipped and had a heart attack, I guess like the same, and he Oof. just, the mailman found him like 10 minutes later. Huh? And the mailman knew him because he was always hanging out on my aunt and uncles, and so he just went across the street and got them and that was it. Fuck, what is that like? Um, I've seen this like somebody who's like a, hey, your dad, but just also, you know, my dad is great, but I would, he's, He's not an out, he's not a construction worker. Yeah. He's not like a pillar of strength in that regard. He's no, in many he was, ways, but not in that way. No, he was like a like a strong bull. And I mean, I it was the kind of thing where you never think like your parents are weak or or you don't want to think that. And if you don't have any like specific reason to not, you don't. I don't know. You don't push it. But um, I think it it was probably silly of me to think that he was still so strong and mm-hmm. still could work like as much as he was doing manual labor and stuff like that at, you know, 65. Yeah. Um, but to me, he was still like this fortress of a human. Uh, it was, it was horrible. I was here, I was working from home that day and my cousin called and they didn't tell me that he was dead. He, he had died instantly, but they just told me that something had happened that he'd fallen and and I needed to go to the hospital. And I didn't, I don't know why I didn't want to drive, but I like just felt too off and freaked out by the whole thing. Like I knew something was like amiss. So I called a lift and it was raining, which it never is in LA. And we were on the 110 and there was an accident ahead of us. We were just stuck in gridlock traffic. Mm -hmm. And my uncle called me and I, and he told me in the car. So I found out that my dad was dead in a lift. I haven't talked about that in a minute, but that was horrible. <laughs> I felt really bad for my Lyft driver. That was yeah, the thing. that's a I was crazy experience for him. That I kind of like, I didn't, I wasn't processing it. Yeah. Like he had to tell me like four times and I kept saying it out loud and like it wasn't like sticking in my oh brain. Oh my God. And my Lyft driver just started melting down and he started crying and we were like literally like just gridlock, like no one was moving traffic. So I got out of the back seat and got into the front seat because I just didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And we both just like sat there and crying and he kept like squeezing my hand like way too hard and that's kind of what I remember most is him just like fucking like breaking my wrist. Well that's really beautiful though. Like if he doesn't he didn't know where to put this in you like, know what to do. moment with a stranger. Yeah, I have no I mean, I barely even remember what he looks like. Like I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Wow. How long were you in that car? Did you talk? Did he ask you questions, or you just kind of sat there and just we like... sat there and cried for like a while? I don't know. The time was so weird. Yeah. And then it was probably like twenty more minutes or twenty five more minutes till we got to the hospital. Yeah. Um, but I was just in like a, a haze. Like I barely remember any of that day. But I do remember like him like just death gripping my hand. <laughs> it's like I, you're hurting me. <laughs> What do you think that is? Like, he just like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I think he was probably really over... I mean, yeah, that's like... So I was driving this girl on the lift, and she found out her dad was dead. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah, man. I still, like, think about that dude, and I was like, oh, man, that's... that's a crazy event. So what... Were you, in retrospect, were you like, why didn't you just tell me initially? Or are you just like, everybody was doing the best they can? Um, I think everybody was just doing the best they can. Yeah. And and I talked to my cousin about it and he was like, you know, they called me 90 seconds after they found out. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone was still sort just of reeling. processing and reeling and like the ambulance hadn't even gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think there was still maybe, the, even though it was pretty clear that he was dead, I think there was this false hope that people had. Yeah. Like, well, but maybe, 
Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, and then he did my uncle didn't even want to tell me when he called um, when I was in the lift, but, like, I kept asking. He kept being like, where are you? And I was like, well, what's going on? And I was, like, trying to get information. Sure, of course. And he wasn't going to lie to me yeah. then, so... I don't think he wanted to tell me while I was in the lift. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. That's not the ideal location. <laughs> not You're alone with a lift driver. With a stranger. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that happens. And then you go through all of the exhausting uh, time of dealing with like planning funerals and all that shit. That was sort of my solace. I don't know. Well, because it's nice to have distraction. It was nice to have something to do. And yeah. something to do that really like felt meaningful mm-hmm. um like we said I'm an art director and I really care a ton about aesthetics and decor and and stuff like that and yeah we're sitting in like a 19 <laughs> any movie from the 70s right now this entire apartment is brown yeah it's like autumn all the time <laughs> it is There's a lot of tapestries yeah um and but my dad was kind of like that too his house was very eclectic and he had like a fake old tool museum and all this like incredible furniture and so I wanted to like bring that into his funeral so I I took some of my favorite stuff and a ton of his stuff and got pictures and tchotchkes and stories from like everyone in his life and created this like I don't know 40 50 foot long like journey of his life and it was like made out of his furniture and all of these things and um, his clothes and barbecues and I don't know just all the shit that he loved right. and encourage people to bring stuff to add to it and so all these people like brought these adorable things to the memorial that I didn't know about and then they got to like leave little cards with their stories and it sort of just became I don't know it felt like a really good way to honor my dad and it, it made me feel like I was actually like doing something right in a time when I'm really not and doing feel, a lot. <laughs> feel very helpless. Yeah. So you do all that. Hi, Doug. Uh, you do all that, and then you find out like a week later that you're pregnant? Mm, no, like six weeks later. Oh, boy. Because the, the funeral was like a week and a half after he died. Right. And then I was just miserable. I mean, I was going to work, but I was like barely cognizant. And I was just, like, crying in the car and, like, showing up to work stoned. And, like, I just didn't give a fuck. And and I was really sick all the time. Which I thought was just me, just me dealing down. with yeah, I did. the stress. I, like, just wasn't sleeping at all. So, like, yeah. it makes sense that those things manifest themselves in whatever weird way. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm barfing, like, a ton. And, and what is this? And, mm-hmm. you know, but I just I didn't think about it. And, and I wasn't having sex because I had broken up with my boyfriend, mm-hmm. but... When did you break? Did you break up while the funeral was happening? Uh, I broke up with him t- two days before my dad died. Oh, fuck, man. And then... Well, that, at least that, like, you don't, you don't even care about the, I know. Well, you don't so care about the breakup. When, like, the, when my that. dad died, he was, like, immediately, like, oh, like... We're gonna get back to like this is you right. need me now and I was yeah. like mm. and for like a, a moment I let him come back just because I was so sad I was like you're comfortable sure. and it's just that that, makes it's sense. just somebody hold me any sort of comfort. you know yeah and then but nug I okay, know well. um yeah but then I was like you know what I strike that mm-hmm. I'm good <laughs> mm-hmm. um 
I think that was probably the best decision I made of all those decisions. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, I think having the abortion was probably the best decision, but right. second. <laughs> well, what led you to that? I will never, I mean, I, in theory, I will be a part of, I could be a part of that decision. I've yet, not yet in my life. You don't know that, actually. That's true. That's the thing. That's true. Yeah. Um, I didn't tell the father until he read about it a year later when I wrote about it for Cosmo and sent me a real angry text message. What do you... What's your thought process like through through that? Because this is something that you are... Um, I feel like are very articulate on and talk about a ton. And for somebody who will not have to go through what you went through, tell me what that's like. What it was like having the abortion or how I got to that decision? or Yeah, how you got to that decision. Um, but everything. Anything that you feel is like important to give voice to it wasn't even a consideration for me the right. second I realized I mean well I knew before the stick you know mm-hmm. changed because I, once I realized I was pregnant right. I was like oh this explains everything, everything. Right. and and the second I'd realized that I knew what I was going to do it was never a, a choice for me because there wasn't another choice I was I could barely get out of bed mm-hmm. I could barely force myself to eat anything, let alone care for another human being or be responsible for one growing inside me for someone else. Right. Um, and, and that's the thing. Everyone talks about abortion like it's this, like it needs to be this traumatizing thing that, you know, changes your life and is this horrific decision. And sometimes it is that. I am not going to say that I know what everyone's felt experience is like and, and for some people it's devastatingly hard. Um, but for me this time it it was the only option so it really wasn't difficult right um and i just wanted it out of me yeah like i already felt so sad and confused um and emotional anyways that the added pressure and stress and hormones and and illness it was like just this virus inside of me that i just needed to be done with Mm. um was there any additionally like emotional um, ties because it's like kind of feels like it's a manifestation of a very sad period. It's also with a, a, a dude that you're no longer with <laughs> and it's also like somehow feels like represent representative of like the passing of your dad. See, I get that mm-hmm. uh, um, analogy and, and once I, uh, when I wrote about this um, I got a lot of feedback from a lot of people, both negative and positive, and a lot of people said stuff similar to what you're saying. Right. Um, and a little bit further extreme of, well, you know, your father passed, and this was, this was your chance to fulfill it with this other sure, thing, sure. And, and you know, one life ends and another begins, and you should have lived that truth. And you know, who are you to make that choice? And I don't think that. I think that if we're putting into those terms. Yeah, my father passed so that I could then live the life I was supposed to and the life that I wanted to, not a life that I don't even think exists yet. Right. Um, I think that's sort of a romantic idea, but I don't think that I was in any way capable of taking care of a life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't think that that would have ended. I know that that would not have been the right choice for me or for that potential child. No, no, that's not what I was saying. I guess I was saying it just like it felt like this was 
the manifestation of a, a very sad period. Yes. Not in the, oh, like, yes. oh, this is a carrying on of a legacy, more just like, this is... I just got so much of that, maybe that's just where my head is. <laughs> no, I understand, I understand. But this is just like a, like a cherry when I, on a, a shit Sunday when I yes. got ready for this. Yeah, no, it was. Um, and, and I think that showed me even... The, Abortion was always something I fought for. Abortion rights um, were always something I fought for. And... But this sort of showed me that you never know what good position you're going to be in. You never know when that might happen to you or the way might life might, like, fuck you over a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and that it's not our place to judge anybody for the decisions they make in, in any circumstance. Um abortion in or otherwise I guess that you can't ever know what it's like to be in somebody's position until you're in it right was that something that really hammered that home did you find previous to that experience that you would sometimes in some capacity make judgments yeah. on people I think this like really upped my empathy to a degree I wasn't even aware I was like capable of before right. um, both my father passing and just, just the whole sequence of events um and it also, once I started talking about it on the internet and talking about all my experiences like this and sort of just being more of an open book with stuff like that, with the hard things, people started opening up to me about their experiences, their similar things. And so these people were in situations that I could never comprehend. Right. Um, I don't know. That's why, that's why I love what you're doing with this and like getting people to talk about like the hard things and mm-hmm. having other people be forced to sort of realize that that everybody has to make choices and that yeah. there's a myriad of reasons why. And you have to make choices sometimes when you don't, uh, when life doesn't provide a choice. Yes. Like you didn't, you didn't, you got to choose to some degree how you responded to your dad's death, but you didn't get to choose that he died. No. Yeah. And I didn't get to choose that my birth control failed and I didn't mm-hmm. get to choose that, you know, I was later in my pregnancy because I didn't realize I didn't get to choose any of these things. Um, and then I, you know, was stuck with a, with something that I, were a decision I was capable of making and I'm super thankful that I had a choice right. and that I wasn't forced to have a baby that I was incapable of raising. Right. Has that changed your perception on parenthood or in any capacity or just like, um, no, I, I don't think I, I've never really thought of myself with kids Mm -hmm. I'm not saying never because I don't know what the world will bring but it's just I've also never really thought of my life that far in the future Mm -hmm. to be honest so uh, it's just never really been on my radar um was it in that moment where you kind of were like okay well I'm doing this dick pic thing and I am just going to make a full on career where I just sell a bunch of, I'm looking, I'm, well, I saw one earlier. You have just, you sell uh, bowls that are shaped like. Oh yeah. Uh, pussy pipes. Pussy pipes and uh, a lot of uh, slut and tones. cunt things. Yeah. Um, it was just like at that moment, like, fuck, I, why should I be made to feel uh, less than or moralizing choices that uh, should be inalienable? Yeah, exactly. That's, I guess that's exactly what my little journey was, was, was getting so beat down and then realizing what, what mattered to me and what mattered to me, especially as a woman. Mm-hmm. And, 
kind of feeling like I had nothing else to lose. Um, yeah, and just wanting to take a, a risk of, I don't know, following my feminist fury or something, right. <laughs> seeing, seeing where it went. Well, that's, I mean, because you have to be, I mean, I've seen it. Uh, I know when that piece that you were talking about, because it went like in a bunch of places, like in Cosmo and in Teen Vogue and I want to say Highlights Magazine. And Elle and, and Ms. Magazine. Yeah, yeah it, it went viral, and mm-hmm. which was great, but I didn't really anticipate that happening. And man, the internet does not like talking about abortion. No, no. And I think, you know, honestly, that's... <laughs> Look, that's fine, but like it's it's a, it's a it's a tricky subject, and people are going to have very passionate feelings about it. But like, I was impressed with your resolve after that of being like, uh, well, I'm still I'm still here and doing this. I'm not going to be a little bit quieter. No, I just just got louder after that, and and that also opened up a lot of opportunities for me. That that piece going viral got Teen Vogue to ask me to start writing for them mm-hmm. regularly and writing about abortion specifically for, you know, 14 girls, which I think is something we should really be talking to them about instead of, you know, lipsticks and yeah. fashion trends. <laughs> Actually practical things that can make a real difference. Yeah, because just... the world that they're living in and, and the policies going on around them are going to affect them. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, two years, a 16-year-old girl's voting. So... Yeah, they should be informed. Right. Um, they have every right to be. And 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 I think yeah, that just that only made me want to be louder and made me want to talk about this stuff more. That's which is I which I think is fantastic and I think that is the I would like to think I would do the same thing. <laughs> but like you had like people full on threatening you. Yeah, I mean death and rape threats and which is also saying, like, crazy crazy great well that's I get the thing. like, like the you call death... yourself pro-life and your response is to tell me you're gonna confine me and rape me and force you force me to have your baby that's a crazy that's not a, that's not a normal functioning person no no and that's... you can have feelings about like I feel like what you did was wrong I'm moralizing that fine you're entitled to do that that we live in a, in, a, in a democratic society which choices you can. That's fine. You're entitled can to Can I tell that. you, though, all the, all the crazy ones mm-hmm. that you've seen some of them, the, like, really horrific rape ones, those scare me a little bit. The ones that scare me the most, the threats, I don't even know if you can call them threats, the messages that scare me the most are the women who work for, predominantly most of them, work for these pro-life organizations, these mm-hmm. anti-choice organizations, who email me super calm, very kind, very loving. They all, they Most of the time, they never even mention the word abortion. They're just like, we just want you to know that you have options, and we just want you to know that you are worthy and you are loved, yeah. and every being on this earth is worthy and loved. Those bitches scare me, because that's the real opposition. The opposition isn't those dudes screaming that they want to rape me and, like, sending me ransom notes. Nobody's ever paying attention. They're crazy people, and fine, they can stand outside of abortion clinics and scare girls. But that's not the opposition. The opposition is those really calm, well-meaning women who I do really think, think they're doing good. Those are the people who are convincing teenagers not to get abortions. Those are the people that are able to convince adults not to do it. Those are the people who are drafting legislation, who are working to get Roe v. Wade overturned. Those are the people that I'm afraid of. Yeah. 
Do you think, um, and this is not, I didn't intend to go down this road at all, but like, wouldn't, oh fuck, I mean this is just the most loaded, but like, wouldn't that time be, even if you feel that way, wouldn't that time be better spent to advocate for, not abstinence, but for all sorts of protection? Yeah, well... If that's, like, really your main concern. Of course, but that's the thing. If, if what they really wanted to stop was abortions, there would be sexual education reform, they would be teaching people how to use condoms, there would be affordable birth control. But these are all things they fight against, which shows me that I don't really think this ever has to do with, like, them saving a baby. It has mm-hmm. to do with controlling somebody else and adhering to a, a very a very old uh, folktale <laughs> a very old folktale yeah, yeah. <laughs> um even the pope is okay with birth control now yeah so they really don't have a leg yeah, to stand like, on anything. Africa start wearing some condoms yeah like let's, guys this is not chill let's stop AIDS wear some condoms yeah. it's cool it's, it's fine. okay you're gonna be fine God says it's fine wrap it up guys but they're still stuck in the uh, I'm a little bit of a loss as to other thing what to ask you about this, but um, <laughs> why was it always so? Why was it so important to that this became your message? Was it just because of that period, or is it like things leading up into your life like that? This. I mean, no, I, I was always, I was vocal, anyways, about feminism and and harassment and and just I guess the female. Um, experience before it was always something I cared about I grew up in a really feminist environment I guess um, before that term was cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) I went to an all-girls school from fourth grade through 12th grade and it was like very small and very liberal and very um, female driven and and very academic and that place really shaped me And, yeah, I guess, also, I experienced a lot of sexual harassment and um, some abuse growing up, and that wasn't something until I was an adult, and I started working through that, I realized how prevalent it is, and how often this happens to so many women and girls, and and to men, too, but not to the same degree. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think just the more I worked through all that stuff in my life and and the stronger I guess I became with age, the more I realized that if I'd experienced all this stuff, somebody else had too. And it was worth talking about. And I I don't really care about using being open with my own experiences. Um, I think a lot of people feel weird talking about the, the stuff they've gone through or the sad things they've gone through, they don't want to share them, mm-hmm. which I totally understand. But for me, I think that's like where all our all our power is. And, um, yeah. I just sort of built, I guess, my new life around talking about the shit people don't want to talk about. Yeah. Sharing my own shit to make them do that. Well, there is power, there is power in that, right? <laughs> there because, is. Like that. Also, you get other people talking about it because, yeah. like, oh, oh, you want to talk about? I mean, this is a terrible example, but I remember, like, in seventh grade, there was one guy who was like, "Yeah, I fucking jerk off," and all the rest of us were like, "Oh, thank God, us." Like, oh, you said it. <laughs> yeah. 
because like up until then I was like stigmatized like no nah, no that's that's weird that's not that's not cool and then like one guy's like yeah fucking it's awesome like, everybody's it's like best. oh thank god yeah me too man I mean if we're gonna talk about that like female masturbation is like so taboo yeah exactly and it's something again that now I discuss a ton yeah. and am really vocal about and but girls never wanted to discuss that it was like shameful to even bring it up sure. but like yeah we all fucking have clits we wanted to see what was up as little kids like yeah. we know you did it too <laughs> yeah but that's like the thing it just takes like one person to like be like yeah this is fine and it's also normal and like I can be I can be flippant and somewhat um, I don't know I can bring levity to a thing that's like maybe a little bit weird but it doesn't have to be it can be like something that's maybe a difficult thing, but like I can still crack wise about it because that <laughs> makes it less so. It makes it less so. Well, and that's what you're doing with this whole podcast. It's that's talk the, about your sad things, but be funny about that's it. That's the idea, man. That's the whole I idea. I think I'm really doing the. I'm doing. I'm doing great, great work. <laughs> what I'm doing is very important. Is what I'm saying. Hey, I, I think it's helpful. Um, what would be your advice to anybody who's going through? God, we've talked about a plethora of things, but like mourning and loss. That's yeah. a thing. Okay. Also having to make a um I think it's interesting because I remember when you you sent me that article right yes you sent me that article yes. before you went out with it oh yeah you proofread it yeah proofread it and um I think it's so interesting to say like for you it wasn't a choice yeah and it, I realize that it is for so many people and that for so many people it's devastatingly hard. I'm not trying to diminish No, that. no, no, not exactly. Yeah. And I know that, but I think it's just so interesting. Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything that you had to really, uh, it was still a, clearly a weighted thing, but it was yeah. not like, uh, you didn't have to bemoan, you know, ways, pros and cons. Yeah, it was like, this was is no- my life. This is, I'm just coming through this crazy time period. Uh, and I think that's interesting um, because I think that's, something that people don't talk about they're not they're afraid to say that yeah well that was for many good reasons because then people come out of the woodwork and say I'm gonna rape you <laughs> and make you keep it <laughs> I'm gonna rape you and make you keep it yeah oh that was such a lovely email um anyway it's a it's a I'm asking that's like a very long-winded question but like I guess advice for anybody who's gone through any of the plethora of things we've talked about um well I did okay I want to get to your advice Please. but I also want to because you said something that um, I'm maybe. sure. I'm sure I did, I did something <laughs> that is not entirely progressive. No, 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 no. That's not at all. I'm not correcting anything you said. Just uh, when we were talking about that abortion piece, uh, you're right. A lot of women don't have the same reaction that I I mm-hmm. did. A lot of women can't, um, or it wasn't as easy for them. Um, but I feel like a lot of women do actually feel that way. Like I did, like there was just no other choice. Like, of course this is the decision I'm going to make. Um, whether their circumstances were as severe or mine is don't really matter. And, um, and I think that's where the real stigma with abortion lies is the fact that people always force you to put it into that context of it just being this huge life changing decision, this huge weighted thing. And I think a lot of women don't feel guilty for doing it and don't feel like they're terrible people or like they killed their baby or whatever, but the world enforces this stigma on it. Right. Um, that you, you know, you're a bad person if somehow you didn't have all this turmoil around your choice. Well, I think because I think, and correct me if you feel like this is out of left field, but like that, uh, 
you think because it wasn't it wasn't like this was not a thing that I really had to consider and really weigh my options, then you're being flippant about it. Yes. Or that like if you're being if you if there is a, a, a narrative that you're being flippant about it, then it's like, oh you're just using that as birth control. Which is also entirely not true. Which is entirely not true and not a thing anyone is doing. I right. mean I, I can't say no one because but ninety nine point nine percent of the time this is not an easy, cheap or fun procedure. No one's doing using it as birth control. Right. Um, but yeah, that is the narrative that gets spun about it. Or it's just like, oh, you don't, you just don't care. Or you, you are like void of feeling when in reality, it's just, you happen to care very much about yourself and your life. Right. Oh, your question was about advice. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I asked many questions, so that is fair. They're like, well, I don't know. I, you asked me 60 things. Did I satisfy one? <laughs> Did I do it? Did I do the thing? <laughs> Um, I guess my advice for someone who's mourning or grieving any kind of loss is um, to let yourself and to let yourself feel all the shitty things and feel all the sadness and I guess hit your bottom, whatever that is, and realize that it might fall out from under you again and... And figure out what it is that makes you happy. You don't have to do what I did and change your entire fucking life. Right. <laughs> that was kind of aggressive. But, I don't know, honor your truth, whatever that may be, in some way. Make your life a little bit... Make your life matter to you more. Yes. I think that's solid. Yeah. And then, what of uh, advice for, you know, when you uh, feel like you are being criticized or bullied oh yes uh for standing up for something that you think is important or somebody's actively threatening you what is because that's a thing that not a lot of i think a lot of people have to go through it to some degree but not to like the extent and the uh, on on the with the magnifying glass that you did or do on a regular basis yeah now it's just sort of the norm that's another thing i've had to just sort of come to terms with isn't that also interesting like the same (laughs) we're talking about like oh you start talking about jerking off and it's normalized like well Buddy, you think you're interesting saying you're going to rape me and, like, leave me for dead? You're the fifth this week. Yeah, it kind of is, though. It's, you garbage monster. It's true, though. I just get harassed so much now and, like, threatened so much now. It, like, doesn't... I, it does still phase me, but I just... I just sort of have to learn to, like, wipe it off. But most people don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my advice with that is, A, acknowledge that you can't do it by your fucking self. Because I thought I could for a while, and it started to bury me. Right. Um, and I seeked both help, like, from professionals and help on the internet. And there's a lot of uh, anti-harassment or, like, anti-online bullying support um, things out there. That if there's something like that is happening to you, I would highly recommend looking into it. Um, and also to realize that if anyone is taking time out of their day to email someone and let them know how much they hate them and let them know that they're going to hell, that person must be really fucking sad because there is nothing I think that anyone could do that would make me want to write some of the vitriol that people have written to me. Um, So that, in a way, that knowledge makes me, gives me a little peace knowing that like this person's life must be really empty if they feel like they need to control the life of a total stranger. Does that make you have, like, some level of empathy for them? Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of empathy for these people. I see a lot of pain in them. Yeah. Um, 
and and the, the, the desire to take that pain out on a total stranger because they made a choice you didn't agree with that can't be undone um that's the kind of person that I feel like might need the most help that's the kind of person who's in the most pain or who someday might find themselves in a situation where they need to make a choice that they didn't ever think they'd have to and I will be glad that I fought for those rights right how do you keep up your uh, shit man when you're getting when you're being exposed to uh, such a shit storm of negative energy on the regular not exclusively because that is not what you no I got a lot of positive a lot of positive a lot of nice but you're still getting that and that like sometimes that cuts through like that that cuts through the clouds real fast it does um I I try to not for a while I tried to like not read it I was like oh I'll just if I can tell that it's going to be, you know, a, a, a bad message or a shitty thing, I'll just delete it before I can even, like, finish right. it. But that didn't really work because I was reading them anyways. Right. <laughs> We're curious beings. Yeah. Um, and in a way, that's kind of giving it almost more power. Kind of. Um, and then for a while, I was like, well, you know what? For every shitty person that writes, like, a terrible comment, I'm going to draft a really carefully worded response to them mm-hmm. and that's not aggressive but then that was just draining. And that I realized, takes like, up, then all your energy is yeah, going it takes up all like my energy and time, fires. like, yeah. putting out fires. And then those people just want to engage, because that's all they want. Yeah, they want. That's all a troll wants, is to... To be recognized. To be, yeah, that's to be what, recognized I mean, and to get engaged. Yeah, I mean, they're doing it in the, in the worst possible way, but that's kind of what we all want, is just, like, just see me. Notice me. Make, do I have a voice? I matter? Yeah. I just want to feel like I matter, even if it's for a negative bullshit. It is. Um, I want that. <laughs> I don't even remember what your question was now. Uh, just how do you stay positive, or how do you like, oh. continue to like have the same same level of drive of seeing that? I don't. I'm not gonna say that every day this stuff doesn't get to me, and that some days I don't wake up and feel really depressed, and like I don't want to get out of bed, and I don't want to do anything. That would be a lie. Yeah, this it gets to me sometimes, mm-hmm. and it's hard, and it's awful, and sometimes these things really scare me and I have to go report them to the police or I just want to sit in bed and cry because I believe what some stranger yelled at me on the internet. Of course it affects me. But at the end of the day, I have people in my life that really care about me and I have a lot more support than there is hatred. And I guess I just have to, sometimes I have to remind myself that the support isn't always as loud. Right. And that for every you know, shitty email or DM I get, there's, you know, a thousand girls out there that I helped mm-hmm. that don't feel the need to, you know, scream you, at me. Are you seeing that reflected? Are you seeing, you know, like, people writing, like, thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you? Yeah, I get, especially when there's, like, a swell, like, when I release something. Right. It's sort of like the hatred is all the time, mm-hmm. but then whenever I, like, release an article or write a thing or, you know, whatever then I'll get like a swell of like love and you know 17 year old girls or 12 year old girls being like thank you so much for what you wrote or my friend went through this situation or I had like a six year old Harvard professor write me the other day and tell me like how great it was that I was able to discuss this on a scale that she couldn't and that she told me her abortion story from growing up and it's just like those kinds of things happen less often but it's because when you agree with someone you don't feel the need 
to go yell at them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't bomb their inbox. Right. You're just like, yeah. You're like, right. cool, thank you, cool. We're on the same Moving team, on. cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do get the biggest outpourings of, like, I think, positive responses when I post the negative stuff, like, right. which I try not to do very often because I don't want that to be the message that I'm putting out into the world. But on occasion, I'm like, can you believe this guy? Like, sometimes you just gotta. <laughs> also, just to show, like, this exists out there. Yeah. There's a reason why I'm here. Yeah. I'm here to, you know, try to make this less of a thing. Yeah. But and also not to, to just be like a only, only a fuck you attitude. Like, fuck you, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. I know. But you're right. It is important to let the world know that that's going on and that that opposition is very real and very vocal. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I think that's pretty solid. I think you got a lot of material. Oh, all sorts of shit. <laughs> I'm going to whittle it down just to all, you know, this smart stuff I say. Obviously. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a lot of that, so you're good. No, it'll be very short. <laughs> These episodes are very short. I've never listened to your show, so. No, that's smart. <laughs> you have things to do. Uh, thank you so much, Lady. Yeah. I really you. appreciate it. There you have it, man. What did I tell you? She is a uh, smart cookie and insightful and uh, not afraid to talk about uh, stuff that a lot of people are. Uh, Also, man, fucking don't be don't be dicks. Don't be cyber bullies. Don't fucking attack people uh, on the Internet because you can. You're probably not the audience I need to preach to. Uh, Anyways, uh, thank you so much, Whitney, for coming out and talking to us about something that is not always easy to talk about. If you want to see what else is going on with Whitney, uh, check out her... You can check out where you you can get all of her uh, genuinely awesome shit on her website. It's kidbell.com. You can get the uh, great hats, great shirts, great jumpers, jackets, uh, lighters, uh, 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 candles, pins, all sorts of cool shit. I have a bunch of it. I wear it all the time. I get compliments. You can do the same. So check it out, kidbell.com. You can also follow her on Instagram. It's kid.bell. And, uh, you know, check out her piece on dick pics at Playboy. And her dick pic art gallery exhibit is going to be in San Francisco in June sometime. So, you know, look out for all that shit. Uh, What else can I say? Uh, Oh, hey, guys. Uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think I'm going to have to take a week off here uh, because I'm going to be traveling. Um, My bad. Mea culpa. I've been busy working, and I've not had enough time to do enough interviews in advance. If I can somehow arrange to do an interview from New Zealand, I will. But if not, uh, you know, enjoy your lives. Get out. See some sunshine. It's spring. Enjoy yourself. Uh, And that's it, guys. Other than to say thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes. Also, to thank you to Kingdom Flying Club and Julia Pott for art and music. And, uh, you know, as always, the biggest thanks goes to you guys. You're fucking so cool, and I love you. Have a great week, guys. (laughs) 